illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Wojtnik, he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. I'm your host, head chef planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of Thermodynamic with Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. How you doing, Beach? You know, Billy, just living the dream every freaking day. Right on. Can't ask for more than that. So, well, you could, but you probably won't get it. Yeah. What a good Thanksgiving last week. Yeah, yeah. Not so good of a game, but it was a good well, Thanksgiving. Yeah, we'll get to that when, when time comes. But, uh, yeah, a nice Thanksgiving up at the uh, Twin Pines Vineyard. Vineyard? Yeah. Yep, yep. Had, had kind of used, I think that was like the third major time we've used the barn for a party. Yeah, it worked out really well. And, and the uh, second time we've had a functional bathroom. So Exactly, that's nice, that's nice. <laughs> And I look forward to having movie night out there this next summer. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Hopefully I'll have a little bit more of a yard going on by that time. Uh-huh. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our insight, experiences, and passion for the Oregon State Beavers others, and just generally talk some Beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some fun along the way. Um, I want to remind everyone, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, remember, if you do, please leave a rating and review. And no, Beach, we haven't gotten any new ratings or reviews lately. But you did check. I did check just before we started okay. recording. Okay. Um, nice, if you nice. want to get in touch with us, there's a couple different ways. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at HeinrichTailgator. And also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. All right, Beach, you ready to get into some Beaver Sports News? Oh, please tell me, how, how is volleyball doing? Am I jumping ahead too much? Well, Beach, Oregon State's five-match win streak came to an end on Wednesday with a three... Okay, but let's stop. I just want to say volleyball is my favorite sport. Well, they came to a loss on Wednesday with a three-set loss to the number 19 UCLA Bruins. Now, that was OSU's second five-match win streak of the season. And OSU hadn't had a five-match win streak since 1990. Wow. So they had two this season. That's like over two decades ago. Yeah. Now, Mary-Kate Marshall recorded 19 kills in her final home match of her career on Friday at Gill, but the Beavs came up short in five sets to number 24, Oregon. Sons of bitches. Yep, so they did lose to Oregon. I hate those bastards. But, Beach. To tell, Billy. On Sunday, in the Loge level of Reister Stadium, there was a little watch party uh, to see the 2017 NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament selections. Mm-hmm. And when those selections were put out, Oregon State is in. And will face... We're in. They're in, and they will face North Carolina State from the ACC in Austin, Texas at 2.30 p.m. on Friday in an opening round matchup. Uh, so just kind of like McLovin. He wasn't sure, but he was in. He thought he was in. I think he was in. <laughs> 
the winner of the match will either face 11th seed of Texas or Fairfield in the second round. Awesome. Yeah, but they're in. That's great. No, it's uh, they're in the dance. That's all you can ask. That's all you can ask. So, all right. Well, now that my favorite sport is done, what's left on the on the docket, Billy? Well, Beach, we're kind of in the uh, doldrums of uh, between fall and winter sports. Mm-hmm. So, um, soccer's over. Wrestling's kind of in a holding pattern for a couple of weeks. Same with swimming. So we will move on to women's basketball. Okay. How are Ruick and the girls doing? Well, Beach, the Beach soared past uh, the North Carolina Central Eagles last Wednesday afternoon, 97-44. Sophomore Kat Tudor recorded her first double-double of her career. Love double-doubles. But then the number 18 Oregon State Beavers battled till the closing minutes Saturday afternoon at Cameron Indoor Stadium before falling to the number 16 Duke Blue Devils, 72-65. to Hmm. Yeah. Damn it. So Oregon State is now 3-2 overall and head to the islands for the Maui Gym Maui Classic where they will host Nevada and Utah, Utah State on back-to-back days this weekend. I wonder if they're allowed to get, do they get free glasses for playing in the Maui Gym? Are they allowed to get free stuff like that? Well, you know, you get free stuff when you go to bowl games for football. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there are gifts involved in that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would think gifts are reasonable as long as they're given to both teams that all the teams that participate. Yeah, and there's there's usually um, monetary limits on it, mm-hmm. and also uh, Oregon State is the host of that uh, um, the host of, of the, the of the event. Yeah, of the tournament. Yeah, wow. They're the host. You know, when I went to uh, Hawaii, the, my one and only time, uh, it was for a trip that I'd earned. And right when we got there, you know what I got? What'd you get? I got a free set of Maui Gym sunglasses. Oh, no, those are pretty sweet. Yeah, they're nice sunglasses. Yeah, I just can't uh, bring myself to spend that much on a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, because you sit on them a lot, don't you? I actually haven't sat on a pair for a while, but I'm just kind of rough on them. <laughs> oh, I admit it. Because I, I, I used to throw them on my seat of my truck or my uh-huh. vehicle, and then I end up sitting on it and feeling like a dick. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> Alrighty, Beach. Let's move on to men's basketball. Okay. All right, Billy. How are, how are uh, Tinkle and the boys doing? How are Tinkle's pits doing, Billy? Well, Oregon State uh, built a ten-point lead in the second half, but they were unable to hang on, falling to St. John's, eighty-two to seventy-seven, on Thanksgiving Day at the Care Invitational in Orlando. Then, in the second uh, uh, game of the tournament, they had a rematch with Long Beach State, who they beat just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they lost that game. Damn it. Yeah. But this then, is not looking good for our, for our winter sports group here. Well, but then yesterday, in the seventh place game of the Advocare Invitational in Orlando, Oregon State used a balanced office of offensive attack to cruise past Marist, 65 to 46. Redemption. Trace Tinkle scored a team high 16 points and grabbed seven rebounds, while Drew Eubanks added 12 points and six points. Okay. Now, um, Oregon State uh, will return to Gill Coliseum this Saturday when they host Loyola Marymount at 2 p.m. And that game will be televised on the Pac-12. Okay. Okay. Oh, hey, Bill. Yeah, B. Do you hear that? Oh, yeah, I do. Hold on, Hold on. 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 This just in. Yes. According to anonymous sources, the U of O basketball team made a surprise appearance for passersby on the way to the Civil War on Saturday. It seems a few members of the team were seen on a in a grassy area near the Coburg Road and Martin Luther King Interchange. Early reports stated a few members of the team were waving to the fans with a police escort. However, some people said the escort seemed rather odd as the sheriff drove to the site uh, with, the, with the players in a paddy wagon, and the players were very aggressive at picking up local litter along the roadway. I, I think we drove past them, Beach. I think we did, too. Matter of fact, I, I'm not saying I am, I'm not saying I'm not, but I could have been one of the anonymous sources. <laughs> now, some people would say, you know, 
they were out there uh, performing, you know, community service hours. Uh huh. And it depends on how you look at that, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Was it required community service or was it voluntary community service? That's the question. There you go. That you need to ask yourself. Yeah, especially with that basketball team, right? Yeah, huh? Uh huh. Yeah, they, they, they're on a first name basis with the local local law down there that just got a bomb sniffing dog and, you know, large capacity magazines and, 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 and body armor <laughs> penetrating bullets. <laughs> wow, I still I, I was still looking for them around. I, the, the guys I saw at Odds and I didn't see the dog, but yeah, uh, I'm sure he was around. Alrighty, Beach. Um, well, it is now time to go under further review for a week. 13 in the back 12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown! Okay. The final season, or the final week of regular season play in the back 12. I got an idea on this one, Billy. Let's start with who Kyle picked. Okay, okay. well, heading into the week, um, Kyle was in the lead at 52 out of 83, and you and I were tied at 48 out of 83. Okay. 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 okay, so the first game was Friday night, Cal at UCLA. Any idea who Kyle took? Uh, Kyle took UCLA, I believe. No, Beach, he did not. Kyle oh, took. No, oh, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle took Cal. Oh, then, then well, I was forget. I I was getting confused. I took UCLA, Billy. Correct. And I too took UCLA. And. UCLA's J.J. Molson hit a 37-yard field goal with four seconds left after backup quarterback Devin Munster led a clutch scoring drive, and UCLA secured bowl eligibility with a 30-27 victory over California night. Now, Munster passed for 191 yards after replacing Josh Chosen Rosen at Hackman. UCLA went 6-0 at the Rose Bowl this season, uh, while Jordan Lasley had 12 catches for 227 yards and a TD for the Bruins. So UCLA... Was bull is bull eligible? Correct. Yet they terminated their coach. Oh, just wait till you hear what's coming up, Beach. <laughs> so you and I got the points on that one. Up next, Arizona at Arizona State. We we don't we don't win a game in the Pac-12, and our coach quits. But we probably wouldn't have fired him if he would have stayed. Correct. The irony. Oh yes. Okay. All right. So we get the point. We're catching up. Sure. Next game. So, uh, next game was on Saturday, Arizona at Arizona State. And Kyle picked? Arizona State. Then You know what? I, I, I picked Arizona, because I think Kyle's wrong. Um, yeah, you and I both picked Arizona. Arizona State's DeMario Richard ran for 165 yards and two TDs, while Manny Wilkins threw for three scores, and Arizona State beat Arizona 42-30, on Saturday night to win the Territorial Cup. Now, Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate left the game in the second quarter with a left shoulder injury. We lost the point on that one, Billy. Any gains we made in the first game, we lost on the second. Correct, Beach. Correct. So the third game. Well, so um, one thing interesting about that, Beach, so Arizona and Arizona State play for the Territorial Cup. That is yes. an actual cup. And I found out last week that is, that is the oldest trophy in a trophy game in the NCAA. Really? Huh? I mean, not just the Pac-12, but the whole NCAA? The whole NCAA. Considering there's a ton of them when you've got the Victory Bell and the Bejeweled Shillelagh and the Little Brown Jug and Paul Bunyan's Axe and the Stanford Axe and Floyd of Rosedale and all those things, the Territorial Cup is the oldest at 118 years. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, Arizona so, Football League Championship, 1899. Correct. Is inscribed on it. Yep. When Arizona was still a territory. Wow. Yeah. When did Arizona become a state? Um, 1900s. Really? We don't think of it as, as those things that long ago, but you got to remember, like Arizona, Utah, probably Nevada, they didn't become a state until I think the 1900s. Because they settled the coast, the coast side first. Correct. Uh, well, there's nothing out there. Yeah, yeah, and there's it's more inhabitable and better sources of, of um, transportation. You know, uh, shipping and freight. 
mm-hmm. uh, over over water. Interesting. I just can't believe it. I'm looking at the cup online, and it's kind of an old ratty-looking thing, and it's got that inscription on it. Yep. And it's crazy because it shows uh, pictures of the players throwing it up in the air, kind of saying, oh, we got it. You know, it's, yep. it's like, wow, it's freaking an antique. Isn't anything over 100 years an antique? I would consider it an antique. Yeah. And so Todd Graham for Arizona State got to lock that above his head with the win. Wow. Yep. All right, Beach. Um, so Kyle got the point there. You and I did not. Up next, Washington State at Washington. Oh, I think uh, Washington. I picked Washington on this one. You did too, I believe. Uh, no, you and I took Washington State. Why would I do something so stupid? Because Kyle took you down. Oh, that's right. Well, Washington asserted its dominance over Washington State for a fifth straight year and pummeled the Cougs 41-14 to to win the Apple Cup. Now, Miles Gaskin ran for 193 yards and four TDs on 25 carries, while Washington forced four turnovers in the game. Now, Washington finished that game with 328 yards rushing. So, pretty much just ran it down the Cougs' throat. You know, I'm looking. There is no Apple Cup. Well, for all their, uh, for all their uh, wins and, and everything that Luke Falk's done in his career at Washington State, mm-hmm. 0-4 against the Huskies. And that means so much. Yep. So, but they don't play for any kind of trophy or anything. It's just called the Apple Cup. Correct. Okay. Correct. It's not like there is an Apple Cup. Not like there's a Territorial Cup. Yeah. All right, Beach, up next, Notre Dame at Stanford. Oh, who did Kyle pick on this one? Kyle took Notre Dame. I didn't. No, you took Stanford. But I took Notre Dame. So, what does this mean, Billy? Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello threw two of his career-high four TD passes to open up the first three minutes of the fourth quarter as Stanford beat Notre Dame 38-20. Now, Bryce Love ran for 125 yards on a gibby ankle. And Notre Dame turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. Hmm. That's why they were able to score two touchdowns in three minutes. Wow. So you get the point there. Kyle and I do not. All right, Beach. That means this, I'm, I'm in second place now, right? Um, yes. Up next, Beach. Colorado at Utah. Colorado at Utah. Think? Did Kyle take Colorado on this one? He did. Yeah, because I took Utah. And so did I. Utah running back Zach Moss ran for a career high 196 yards and two touchdowns as Utah defeated Colorado 34-13 Saturday night to become bowl eligible. Now, Utah started the season 4-0, then went 0-4, but then finished up 2-2, to go 6-6 six and six on the season and send their seniors to a bowl game. Now, Colorado will miss a bowl game one year after playing for the Pac-12 championship last year. Wow. Yep. Kind of like the Bees in 2001. Mm-hmm. Tied for the Pac-12 championship in 2000. Did not go to a bowl game in 2001. Well, that happens. It's yep. the highs and lows. So you and I got points there. Up next, Beach. Oregon State at Oregon in the Civil War. We all took the beeves on this one because that's the kind of fools we are. Well, Oregon running back Royce Freeman ran for 120 yards and two TDs to pass Ken Simonton for the all-time touchdown rushing leader with 60, and Oregon beat Oregon State 69-10. Now, Justin Herbert for Oregon threw for 251 yards and three touchdowns in the win. That's a shame that he broke uh, Simonton's record. Yeah, but he still had the bowl game to go, so even if he hadn't done it in the bowl game. Or in this game, he would do it in the bowl game. game. Probably would have yeah. yeah. So, Beej, your thoughts on Civil War? I thought we played like crap and the game sucked ass. Yeah, um, you know, when Hall first took over those first three games um, against Colorado. There was, there was Mojo. Well, there was there was some fire, some swagger, and these last three games, Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon, just did not have that fire. Um, 
And it was funny, you know, I had somebody ask me leading into that game what I thought was going to happen. And I think I told you, if Herbert wasn't playing, the Bees would have a little bit more of a chance. Yeah. But I said, with Herbert playing, he's too good a quarterback, and we are so beat up at the cornerback position. I mean, beyond decimated. How many corners did they lose for the season? Five? Six? I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, and you got to remember, they lost their first two quarterbacks in Minnesota the second game of the year, or third game of the year. They lost them against Minnesota. And it had just been going downhill since. And I said, Herbert's too good of a quarterback to, you know, not have cornerbacks. Quarterback, yeah. for us to not have decent cornerbacks to play against. We're playing true freshmen. And they just tore us apart. And when Oregon State had the ball, Oregon had nine guys in the box. They didn't worry about the Beavs throwing the ball down the field at all. Well, who does? We well, never catch it. Well, they would give up a couple plays, which they did. They gave up a couple long plays, but for the most part, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll take those because they knew that the way they were, the way Oregon State was going to inflict any damage was going to be on the ground, mm-hmm. and they just didn't let it didn't let it happen. And Beavs had to it, say, it sucks when you don't have a, a, a dual offensive effort. Oh, I agree. You know, I agree. And and we we haven't had one all year. No. Hell, we haven't had a single offensive effort for half the games. Yeah. And, you know, it's sad considering that Marcus McMarion, who left and went to Fresno State, is playing for a WAC championship this week for Fresno State. You know, I'll tell you, uh, you know Bruce who tailgates with us? Yeah. So I was talking to him uh, yesterday, I believe. And one of his buddies came down when Anderson was coaching uh, uh, a few weeks before the game started. Uh-huh. And he had a chance to talk to Anderson. He made a comment, you know, he said, hey, I really like how things are going. And Anderson was, was very nice and very cordial to him, let him, you know, chat a little bit. And then he said, you know, and then uh, he, Bruce's buddy said, well, it's a shame about McMarion. And Anderson's comment was, well, he'll he'll be a good second string somewhere. Huh. Well. And, uh, yeah, and that goes to show you. Uh, be a good second string somewhere would have been even a better first string somewhere because we could have used him. Exactly, exactly. And the team seemed to respond to him. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm baffled by it because if he could perform that well down there, he should have been able to perform better than what our first string was doing up here. And I don't understand how they came up with that decision, why they let him go. Uh, uh, maybe because he wasn't their guy. Who knows? Yeah, well, it sounds to me like he was like, well, you don't fit into our, our scheme, so we're going to get rid of you and fit, grab a guy who does. But, well, why don't you tailor your scheme around the talent you have rather than trying to force talent into uh, a format that doesn't work well for them? I agree, and that's what a good coach does. Yeah. You you, you meld what you want to do around the, the talent you have and what yeah. their strengths are. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, we had a good time down there to, at the uh, game, though. Didn't have anyone say anything sideways to us. No, no. Actually, everyone was very nice. Uh, at least, if they weren't nice, they, they weren't rude. Yeah. Um, you always have the one obnoxious guy in the crowd that has to turn around and scream and yell and make himself look like an ass. But, you know, he does that well on his own. I don't need to help him out at all. Yeah. Um, we had uh, we tailgated with the people from Columbia Distributing. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, the mac, I like the mac and cheese. That was pretty darn good. Pretty, pretty good Not as good food. as our mac and cheese, of course. But, you know, for for... for, for you know, for the for the level of tailgater that Columbia puts on, it was good. Mm-hmm. No, it was good. Um, and, uh, and and it didn't rain. No, that was something to say. It didn't rain. It didn't rain. Um, and so closes the 2017 season on the Oregon State Beavers. And Beavers, I have to say, that is probably the most disappointing season I've ever had. You know, it's hard for me to remember the Pettibone years because I was still in high school mm-hmm. and uh, I think the early part of college. Yeah, they had one year. When I was there. They had one year where they went one in ten in '91 Pettibone's first season, but that one game was the last game of the season in Eugene. Yeah. So that kind he, of re- he redeemed himself for the, the 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 whole prior part of the season. Correct. But other than that, you know, this this was just horrible. Um, I don't remember the Avizano years back in the early 80s. Um, I never saw the 0-11 season. Mm-hmm. So. We had no 0-11 season? I believe so. I thought you said the uh, Huskies were the only team to have an 0-11 season. No, I said the Huskies are the only team to have an 0-12 season. Oh, okay. 0-12. 
<laughs> okay. Huskies okay. went 0 12. Okay. So I said the only Pac 12 team to ever go 0 12 is the Washington Huskies. Okay. But, anyways, and at this moment, we still have no coach. So strange. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll wait and see. This has got to be hurting our recruiting, I'm assuming. Well, you know, you've got a little bit of time. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Now, um, all of the assistant coaches were told that they need to have their offices cleaned out by Tuesday night. And they could work from home for the remainder of their contracts, which usually goes through the end of the year. So it means they're going to not be doing a whole hell of a lot between now and the end of the year. We'll wait and see. But uh, those go through the end of the year. Now, Coach Hall is being allowed to keep his office um, in the Valley Football Center. Now, what that means, what you. that means, I, you know, he's at least yeah. acting as the head coach as for now. Yes. Yeah. So um, when you, and maybe you don't know this one, but when you, uh, the so the head coach has his contract, right? And ultimately, uh, assistant, Gary- assistant coaches, including coordinators, are usually on year-to-year contracts. Okay. That, that was my question. So they don't have any kind of buyouts for them. No. Um, they, they, because they kind of, kind of like a person that works in the White House, they serve at the pleasure of the president. They serve well, at the pleasure of the coach. Then that's, and, the that's, coach. and that's the way it works. Um, I, there might be a couple of coordinators or assistants that get, you know, term contracts, but mm-hmm. most of them are just year to year because there's so much movement um, in the assistant coaching ranks. Because if they get an opportunity to go to – uh, or a higher paying gig or a head coaching position. Or a coordinator job, exactly, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. So it's the head coaches that usually have the contracts for several years, and they're the ones with buyouts. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, Beach, let's take a look at the Pac-12 in the polls. Um, not looking good for the Pac-12 making it to the uh, playoffs <laughs> right now. Uh, in the AP okay. poll, USC is at number 11, Washington's at 13, Stanford at 14, Washington State at 21. In the USA Today Coaches Poll, USC is at 9, Washington's at 13, and Stanford's at 15, while Washington State's at 22. And that is it. Nobody else is in the other receiver votes category. Now, we won't talk about the playoff poll today. We will talk about that next week, Beach, when all that is finalized and the bowl matchups are set. Okay. So yeah. we're, we got one more? We got one more before we take a break. Okay. Okay. Now, next week's will probably be a short show because we, won't, we only have one game to might be interesting that we can go in detail on that game. There you go. All right, Beach, it is now time for the Tommy Tupperville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the week award. Every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, it's in the leadership. Hold on, I got to text Kyle. Kyle texted me right now and he says, is there a pick this week? Yes, Kyle. Stanford or USC? It's live texting right there, folks. Okay, he's taking USC when we get there. He's taking USC. I'm taking Stanford. Uh, Me too. (laughs) Because, you know, this week's worth five points. Oh, is that what it does? Championship's worth five points. This is kind of like watching a game of, uh, what is that crap from uh, Harry Potter, Quidditch. Yeah. You know, you, you just track everything with these one point, one point, one point, one point. You get the snitch and the whole damn thing wins. Right. So this is the snitch right here. All right, Beach. Back to the uh, Jackass of the Week word. So, Beach, this week's Jackass of the Week word goes to the athletic director at, you know, UCLA. No. I have no idea. Arizona State. Ooh, what did he do? Do you know why it's going to the athletic director at Arizona State? No, what did the AD of Arizona State do, Billy, to earn this week's Jackass of the Week award? Well, Beach, have you heard about the... Hold on here. I'm going to pull it up. Remember, I live under a rock and I work all the time, so I don't hear crap. Plus, everything's on the radio is fake news anyway. Pretty much. Um... Let me see if we can find it here. Except for that, except for that Kim Strass of the rights for the Wall Street Journal. He kicks ass. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, Beach, um, so who have I been saying was on the hot seat uh, all season long for, for coaching? 
I said, I said, I said, I said, Jim Mora at, at UCLA, uh-huh. who got fired last week. I said, uh, Rich Rodriguez at Arizona. Oh, Rodriguez. I'm sorry, Rodriguez. Rich Rodriguez at Arizona, who up to this point has not been fired, still has a job. Mm-hmm. But I also said Todd Graham at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Now, Beach, Todd Graham went 7-5 and five this season, right? Made a bowl okay. game mm-hmm. after not making a bowl game last year. They and beat. and the beating up of the, the beating up of the Pac-12, they're on the top. They're on the upper end of the board, so yep. they're not doing too bad. They beat their their in-state rival Arizona, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he got to hold that territorial cup over his head on Saturday, mm-hmm. and Sunday he was fired. What did they expect? Well, in six seasons, uh-huh. Graham was forty-six and thirty-one. Okay. Winning ten games in twenty three and, and excuse me in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. Okay. Right. And they were two and two in bowl games with one to play this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is what um, Arizona State Vice President of Athletics Ray Anderson said in a statement. He said, "Quote: When evaluating our head coaches, we have been very clear in our four prong approach: integrity, academics." performance, and fan affinity advancement. From the moment he arrived in Tempe, Todd helped change the culture and emphasize the student and student-athlete here at Arizona State, elevating the program to unprecedented heights in the classroom and strong citizenship across the board. However, our athletic department, university, and community expect our football program to compete on the field for Pac-12 titles, be competitively consistent, and qualified to participate in major bowl games on a regular basis. In evaluating Todd's body of work over a four-year period, it became clear that a change is necessary. How do you like that? Just sounds like chicken crap to me. Now, here's the kicker. They're having Todd Graham stay on to coach the bowl game. I was wondering how that was going to work. Yep. Okay, you're done, but Hey, go ahead and finish up the thing. Play yep. the bowl game. Yep, yep. Now, here's what the uh, vice president of athletics went on to say. Quote, in my view, Billy Napier, aside, he's the first-year offensive coordinator, has done an outstanding job with our offense. In my view, Phil Bennett, who is the first-year defensive coordinator aside, has helped us make progress with our defense. I've made it very clear to both of those guys that we want them to have the opportunity to come back. And any head coach that comes in here and doesn't see that value is not the guy for us. Okay, that's weird. So I want to keep the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator, but I want the head coach to go. Exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what they're doing. Is it a personality conflict? I don't know. Well, that's just there's something. There's something more there. Than what they're saying. Because that doesn't make any sense. And as Judge Judy says, if it doesn't make any sense, then it isn't true. Mm -hmm. So they're they're propaganda crap. Fake news, Billy. Fake news. Well, see, Arizona State won the South in 2013. Then they went 6-3, 4-5, 2-7 in the Pac-12. You there? Yeah, I'm here. So, I don't know. I, I just don't I don't get it. Yeah. I mean and usually here, fire the head here, coach you want to kick the coordinators too. You want a kicker? Graham's sure. buyout is reportedly worth at least eleven million dollars. So they gotta pay him eleven million bucks to get his ass out of the office, yet they're gonna keep the offensive and defensive coordinators that ultimately have caused him to lose the games, theoretically. Yeah. And this is what the uh, Arizona oh, crap. Arizona State sorry, President sorry. Michael Crow said um, before the season began. Losing records over more than one year in any sport are unacceptable. You have to look at what the reasons are and the dynamics, but Coach Graham completely understands that. His very successful start at ASU has to be realized again. And to me, Beach, this just goes for everybody. You know how many coaches have been let go? Kevin, uh, 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 what's his name? Kevin Sumlin at, at Texas A&M was fired after having winning seasons in six straight seasons. Every year he was there, he had a winning record. You know, the... It's come to the point, it's so damn political, and the, the boosters, I, I don't know, I mean, they have way too much pressure, but I guess they're the ones holding the money, but part of it is, they rely so much on the money. 
Oh no, it is. It is. But it's just. You know, it, it, it's again. It's like whatever Phil Knight wants, Phil Knight gets. Because if Phil Knight's not happy, then he could he could pull back money. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. Every 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 game day, half the teams lose. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't understand. How you can? I mean, I'm I, you know I I'm happy if the Beavs Beavs can be bowl eligible. Yeah. You know, four out of five or five out of six seasons. My goal. I don't care however, how high they are in the bowl. If we're bowl eligible. For four out of five seasons, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, my, my, my goal for the Bees every year, win more games than you lose, go to the best bowl game you can, and win it. Mm-hmm. If we did that every year, I'd be happy. And if they can yeah. compete for a Pac-12 championship every five, six years, great. Mm-hmm. But it's damn hard. Everybody's got money. Everybody's yeah. got facilities. And everybody wants to win. Exactly. Exactly. Nobody is, is okay with just competing anymore. Everybody wants to win. But well, not everybody you, can. Well, he's a jackass. Well, they are the jackass. And that's why the Arizona State Athletic Department and the President gets this week's... <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Okay, Kyle just texted me. I did have the most correct predictions this season, correct? F you, Kyle. I hate you. Yes, you did, dick. You know, what's going to be cool is Kyle's going to be listening to this, like, tomorrow. You know, like, in the past tense. Like, he lived the moment, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are we time for a musical interlude, Billy? All right, Beach, it is time for this week's musical interlude. And after uh, we had Daniel pick one last week, um, we'll kind of pick one, uh, we decided to give it back to you this week. Yeah, so I was driving home, asked you if I had a pick this week. Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about the beaver season. And I thought to myself, boy, we have a long way to go. And then I thought to myself, it's only nine months until our next game, which means... We have a very short time to get there. Do you see where I'm going with this one, Billy? Mm-hmm. In 1977, the second highest grossing movie of that year, only second to Star Wars, Correct. Was, the, was the trucking classic Smokey and the Bandit, starring Burt Reynolds, Sally Fields, and the late Jackie Leeson, and the late Jerry Reed. Mm-hmm. The story is simple. A couple of wealthy Texans, Bet Bandit and Snowman, and that's snowman, not snowball, because that's gross, that they can't bootleg 400 cases of Coors, which at that time could only could not be sold east of the Mississippi River. Um, uh, and they bet them, what was it, $80,000. And uh, the boys take the bet, and along the way, they find love for Bandit in the form of a young and sweet Sally Field as Carrie, and they find trouble in the form of Jackie Gleason playing Carrie's future father-in-law and local sheriff Buford T. Justice. Uh, crap happens. Sheriff Justice promises on several occasions to punch his wife right in the mouth, which ultimately began the violence against women movement that began in the late 1970s and just recently culminated with former SNL comedian and current Senator Al Franken grabbing Ariana Huffington's breasts. Oh, did that happen? What? I hadn't heard that one. Oh, yes. Oh, geez. I think so. I think so. I Hold hadn't on. heard that. Yeah. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, during a photo shoot in 2000. Yeah, all started with Jackie Gleason. Wanted to punch his mama, punch, punch that you know, mama rat in the mouth. And that began the violence against women movement. Didn't know that, did you, Billy? No, I did not. Yep, yep. So he's just a product of 70s, of the 70s drug and, and women violence movement. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, Woodstock, Smoking the Bandit, you know, all that crap. So... Without further ado, oh, here was an interesting fact, too, I found out. Now, this is interesting. So, I don't know if any of you guys listening have watched uh, Justice League, but Justice League um, did not do near as well as they expected in the box office. I think it'll make a profit, but not much of one. But the cost of Justice League was about $300 million to make. And ultimately, it'll make slightly over that, but I don't think by much. Well, but that's how much it costs. That's not including the... uh... 
the uh, hundred forty-five million dollar marketing budget. That they exactly. Have. Usually, you you, yeah. you you take another half of it. Yeah. yeah. So about four hundred fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. So now here's here's an interesting little fact on the now granted you know back then you could get a, a McDonald's burger and a drink and a fry for probably two dollars, and uh, now that same meal costs eight dollars. But uh, the budget for Smoking the Bandit was four point three million. Wow. Do you know how much it made? Keep in mind, it was the num- number two movie of, of 1977. $89 million. $300 million box kidding? office take. Holy. No, $4.3 million made $300 million. I mean, that's like winning the lottery right there. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, I mean, what is that? Like uh, almost, uh, what is that, a 80% return or 800% return? Yeah. Yeah, huge. Huge. You know, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so anyway, going back, uh, this is uh, Jerry Reed's classic, who also played Snowman uh, in the movie, uh, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can be done? Are we got a long way to go? Short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just like old bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out, cause we gotta run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texarkana, and we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just watch old bandit run. Trucking, just put that hammer down and give it hell. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch old bandit run. Because, you know, Jerry Reed was actually the one that kind of started our whole musical interlude. Oh, with Amos Moses. With Amos Moses, that's correct. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even bring that in. I didn't even think about that when I picked it. I've always liked Jerry Reed. You know, uh, 
he was actually best known for his uh, guitar pick. Oh yeah. Yeah, but oh, yeah. Uh, and he had a dog in the movie called Fred. Fred, yeah. Yeah, I always love Fred. Although, yeah, um, a lot of people will know Jerry Reed as being the uh, the coach that uh, makes fun of the Water Boy. Yeah, he was the jerk coach. And yeah, Adam Sandler's the Water Boy. Jerry Reed, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good pick, Beach. Good pick. All right. So uh, we will do have one game to pick here for the Pac-12 Championship Week. One game, Beach, and it is Saturday, December second, Stanford at USC. And we've already discussed it, Billy. I am taking Stanford. Okay, Kyle, okay. Stanford. I, I think Smarts will uh, outwit uh, uh, physical talent. Let's see. Uh, Kyle is taking USC. I'm taking Stanford. Okay. Um, Kyle said, um, I did have the most corrections, correct predictions this season, correct? And I said, F you, Kyle. Yes, you did. Dick. He said, I will not gloat. You two make fine opponents. If I had any reward coming to me, please donate it on my behalf to the Heinrich Tailgaters Meat in Every Mouth campaign. And then I replied, awesome. and then I replied, except the championship game is worth five points. He replied, punch yourself in the sack for the rule change at the end of the season. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kyle, you won. I think you won back-to-back, didn't you, win last year? I think he did. I think he did, too. Yeah. Either or he did, and he won the year before. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm taking Stanford, so this is just for pride now. Stanford and USC. All right, and I really don't know who will win. It really depends on how Bryce Love is doing. If Bryce Love is healthy, that'll help Stanford. Okay. So, just because he's such an amazing running back. Mm-hmm. All righty, Beach. Well, we have no Beaver game to talk about, so it is now time to finish with our last segment of the day, the Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Homers. She's just a girl. She's a ball. Okay, so today's cheaters and horse. I was I was short for time today, so I was trying to think of something. And we never discussed this. You actually didn't bring this up, so I'll bring it up and then we can have a brief discussion. Okay. So this article, I'm just going to quote the article here. It's a pretty short one, so hopefully I won't bore anybody. Uh, June 26, 2013. Okay. The title of this article by Dan Dan Graziano, uh, ESPN staff writer, is NCAA. Labels Chip Kelly a cheater, and it goes well, on. He and, is. It goes on and reads. I know the vast majority of Philadelphia Eagles fans won't care. I know that all of you care. That all you care about with regard to Chip Kelly is what kind of head coach he's going to be in the NFL, and that whatever he did while coaching the University of Oregon matters as little to you as whether he cheated on a sixth grade math test. I get it, but Kelly's in the news today, and I'm and I'm writing about him because. Call me old-fashioned, but I think adults who don't care about right versus wrong should be called out for it whenever possible. And that's what the NCAA has done with its decision to impose an 18-month show-cause penalty on Kelly for recruiting violations at Oregon. Rather than punish the kids he left behind with a postseason ban, the NCAA is focusing the punishment on the coach who ran the program. Any college who wants to hire Kelly in the next 18 months will have to go before the NCAA and offer a detailed explanation as to why they should be allowed to do so. Slap on the wrist, you say? Irrelevant due to the time frame? No way Kelly's going to be fired after one year in Philadelphia? And the odds of him hating NFL life so much that he wants to go back to college in the next year and a half are slim. And all of that may be true. But this is an 18-month penalty whose effects could last longer than its term. What it does to Kelly is label him as a cheater. And whether it's 12 months, 24 months, or 5 years from now, if Kelly ends up wanting to get back into college coaching, you better believe this will stick to him and make a school or two think twice about whether they want him to run their program. Oh, he's a good coach and smart, and he'd be able to get a job. But there probably won't be jobs he'd want uh, and couldn't as a result of this. And that's fair. If you cheat, there should be consequences. So yeah. I know you probably don't care if you're an Eagles fan, and if Kelly hits it big in the NFL, no one will have a reason to remember this. But don't come at me insisting he didn't have embarrassing personal reasons to leave Oregon. Because he obviously did, 
And if you're making grand, optimistic assumptions about his level of commitment to his new job and whether you can trust what he says, that's your right. But consider yourself warned. And if you happen to be the kind of fan who cares what kind of people operate and represent your team, well, now you have a little more information on which you base your opinion on this one, don't you? No, I completely agree. Uh-huh. He, he is a cheater. Oregon got to where they were by cheating. Mm-hmm. They were under NCAA probation at the time. They, in my opinion, should have gotten the death penalty for mm-hmm. what they were doing when, when Kelly was there. Mm-hmm. The, I think one of the only ways they averted more serious hammering was because Kelly left. He had to leave or he was going to get hammered and the University mm-hmm. of Oregon was going to get hammered. And that was why they put the show cause thing on him. If he came back and took a job within the next year and a half or two years, that school was going to be under penalties. Um, I think UCLA hiring him, while I think it's probably a good fit for them, you're just opening yourself up to have the NCAA all over your ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you're going to get Nike and Phil Knight to protect him as much as they did before. And no. I think that happens. Oh, I think so too. I, I think the influence that Nike wields with the amount of money that goes into the NCAA, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's influence. Maybe not not absolutely whitewashed and clean, but I think they're softer uh, I, than they would be with any other institution that doesn't have that kind of um, uh, friendly association with a corporation. I agree. I agree. I agree. And he's so, a cheater. He's an absolute cheater. And he's a whore. And if he starts doing the same crap again, I hope they just throw the freaking book at his no good son of a bitch and ass. Yep. Yep. And he's a liar. Mm-hmm. So. Chip, Willie, we know him as Will. Oh, uh, Will Will Lyles? Oh, see, we know yeah. him as Will Lyles, not Willie Lyles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Freaking liar. Anyways, good one, Beach. Yeah, I'm surprised you never picked that one. Since that's one of the reasons why... We have I think the, we ta- I think we touched on it a few times. Well, probably but because we never went on not on that one. Though. Yeah, because not, he's, I think he's we hammered Chip. He's part of the reasons why um, the whole cheaters and horse things came from. Because I started yeah. saying that the school down south was a bunch of cheaters and whores, mm-hmm. and that was my saying for him. They're cheaters and whores. They're cheaters and whores. And then the cheaters and horse segment evolved from there. Yeah. Alrighty, Beach. Um, anything else to add today? Uh, nothing I can think of, Billy. I think we're doing okay. Fair enough. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to show number 105 of the League of Participation. Uh, we have one more show coming up. Next week will be show number 106, the, I think, 14th show for the season? No, 15. No, 16. Season 6, show 16. Uh, and that will be our bowl game preview. And uh, then we'll take a break for bowl game season. But I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, you just want to say beach? I got nothing. Okay. Uh, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember to listen, subscribe, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Also, you can listen to us on the iPhone and device with the Stitcher Radio app. Beach! Billy. It's been a great, it was, it was a season. It was a season. It was the best tailgating season we have ever had. I, I will agree with that. If if the season was based on our tailgaters, these would be on freaking defeated played in the back row championship. Yep. And I want to thank everybody for coming out and making the hundred tailgaters so much fun. That's why we like doing it. Having everybody come out, eat some good food, enjoy themselves before we leave. All right, so uh, until uh, next week, Beach, great big go Beach. your time.
Alright. That one went pretty well. Hmm? It did. It was a good one. I was, I was a little worried about reading the article because I kind of threw that together, but actually that was a really good, concise, short article. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Perfect. Yeah. And, it, and it fits what's going on right now. So, no, it's... I, I can't stand him. No, he's I mean, he's crap. Yeah. Freaking I mean, side might, talker. Well, well, and after you and I were talking about that, you told me about that way he... Because I never understood the, the, the aggressive, uh, offensive, you know... Mm-hmm. And then when you're telling me, well, all he was doing was forcing the uh, defense to line up so then they could call a play, I mean that's crap. Yeah, well, like I said, he was he was exploiting the the rules for what they were at the time. How would they change that? Well, if you watch now, that if you can still do it, but you can't substitute because what they would do is they would have their substitutions ready to come in, right? Uh-huh. So as soon as the play was over, their subs were coming in, and the other guys were going out, well, it, the defense would be looking, okay, oh, they're bringing in extra, you know, extra wide receivers. Well, they were lining up directly on the ball. So they could snap the ball. So I don't have a chance to switch out my extra linebacker for an extra defensive back. Right? But because they never huddled, they didn't have to... But they never huddled because they lined up directly on the ball. So, so if I'm a defense, about... if I'm a defense and I'm looking and like, oh, they're bringing in an extra uh, wide receiver... I should I should take out my extra linebacker and bring in a defensive back, but they're lining directly up on the ball. I can't switch guys out. It's already too late. Yeah, but they, they had no intention most of the time of snapping the ball that fast. They were just lining up on the ball and then standing up, looking at the sideline, getting the play call in from the from the coaches on the sideline, who are actually getting the play call from the guys up in the booth, who are looking down and seeing what's on the other side. What what the weak points are. Exactly. I'm like, oh, they didn't bring in the, they didn't bring in an extra defensive back. They've got a linebacker in there covering this wide receiver, so we're going to run something that targets that. And now, if if the offense substitutes, you'll see the the line judge and the head linesman put their hands out to their sides, put their hands straight out, have fists straight out, like perpendicular to the bodies. You know what I'm talking about? No, say that one more time. I'm sorry. So if if the offense substitute guys out, mm-hmm. the head linesman and the line judge, those are the guys that line up on the line of scrimmage. Okay. They put their hands directly out to their sides. They make a fist mm-hmm. and put their hands out to their sides just like a T, mm-hmm. like a giant T, and that means the offense cannot snap the ball yet because they have substituted and the defense has a chance to substitute also. Okay. Yep. So... So that's to prevent them from being leveraged. Yeah, that's to give the that's to give the defense the uh, opportunity to to uh, rotate guys in too. Basically, they, you'll see they, they're always tinkering with the, the rules in football, and a lot of it is mm-hmm. a lot of it is to not give either side of the ball a competitive advantage over the other. Mm-hmm. They want to keep it even. Yeah. Well, just like you were saying, too, about dropping the ball and going at one speed. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the speed we go. We don't go any faster for any team. We don't go any slower for any team. We go at this speed. That's what I would say if I was a referee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, and it makes sense. Yeah. But that's me. And because it was funny because, like I said, I had Joe saying, well, they need to hurry up because they want to run it faster. And I said, okay. So then if my team wants to slow it down, should they go slower? Mm-hmm. And then he'd think about, it. oh, I'm like, I understand your team wants to run the ball faster, and they want that thing set down as quickly as possible because it gives them an advantage. But mm-hmm. should they go slower because it gives my team an advantage? And he had to kind of rethink his position. Yeah. 